You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Roaring into week number 12, about two hours from kickoff. This is what it's all about. We're going to jump right into Iowa State and Baylor. Baylor's won the last four by 26 and a half points per game. I said it's one of my better picks of the weekend. I'm not backing down. I like the way Charlie Brewer is playing. And more importantly, the inexperience possibly at quarterback with Zeb Nolan under center for Iowa State. Yeah, listen, I, I you've been so hot lately. I, I'm going to refer to you as Angelina Jolisi. Uh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Angelina Jolisi is what I'm going to refer to you as uh, at, from this point going forward because your picks are so good. I, I hate picking against you right now, Joe, but I can't see backing Baylor at this particular stage. I, I, I get it. Charlie Brewer put up a lot of yards against Texas Tech, most of it in comeback mode, but that defense is horrific. And even if it is Zeb Nolan, I think this is a game, Joe, where one of my favorite, most underrated players in the country, David Montgomery, running back for Iowa State, hasn't gotten a ton of support from his offensive line. It's a mediocre front wall. But this kid is going to play on Sundays, does a great job of making people miss, bouncing off tackles. This is a David Montgomery game where he controls the clock, maybe takes the pressure off of the young starter if it is Nolan who's under center, if Kemp is unable to go. So I think this is David Montgomery. Mark it down. This kid's going for 175 north. This is a game where he gets a chance to show just how talented and versatile he is as a back because the Baylor defense has not gotten it done all season. I'm a little surprised you're so high on Baylor. Matt Rule's doing a nice job. They are gradually improving, but this is still a 1-9 in team. And you know what? When you face a 1-9 in team on senior night, some programs are not motivated by that, but Iowa State is not used to being here. I still think they'll be up for a shot to beat Baylor. Well, I'm glad you brought up the rushing offense of Iowa State. They're averaging 110 rushing yards on the ground over the last eight games. They're averaging 94.8 rushing yards per game, and you mentioned Baylor's defense. They're giving up 195 to opposing offenses on the ground, but over the last four weeks, they're giving up 126.5 rushing yards, so they're getting better as the season progresses, and when you look at Iowa State's defense, they're allowing 245 passing yards per game on the road or on a neutral field site. It's 284. They're still allowing opposing offenses to convert 43% of the time on third down conversions and the most important factor is this I look at both of these teams as being even Baylor picked up this victory last year 45-42 to 42 in Ames it was a close ball game from, but from, from a recruiting standpoint Rich Baylor's been at the top of the Big 12 for the last four years Iowa State at the bottom under Paul Rhodes so they're overachieving there's still talent there in Wake Elm, and I think Charlie Brewer gets a gutty victory later today well I, it would be a big deal for Matt Rule I I think when you talk about Baylor, we're really looking at 2018. It's early. It's still November of 2017. But I'm going to say it. I think Baylor next year will be one of the most improved teams in the country. I think Matt Rule's one of the top coaches in college football. And we'll begin to see that they're just not there right now. Yeah, predicated blue collar on the offensive defensive lines. That's what Rule preaches. So we'll see. It is a 3.30 kick. When we come back, we'll be talking about Texas and West Virginia. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Great Big 12 battle. Texas and Tom Herman. Will Greer in West Virginia. Does it get better than this? West Virginia has won the last two games by 11 points per game. This is a Texas team that's fighting to become bowl eligible at 5-5. Five and five. I think that's the matchup. Texas's front seven going up against the offensive line of West Virginia and Texas pulls off the 35-31 to 31 victory over the Mountaineers. You know, I mean, listen, we've talked about it all season. Tom Herman does a good job as an underdog coach. The issue that I have in this game, the reason why I like West Virginia, one of my best bets of the day is it's a strength versus strength game. You've got Will Greer, those great wide receivers, David Sills, Gary Jennings, Karan White, the ability to stretch defenses. Texas does not have Holton Hill for the rest of the season. He'll be missed in the secondary. He was suspended. I just don't know if Texas has enough offense once West Virginia starts to score. I don't think it'll be a shootout. Texas is too good defensively. But once West Virginia starts to put points on the board, you know, kind of get Justin Crawford going out of the backfield. Texas offensively is so necrotic. They, they, they're just so, so impotent offensively, whether it's Shane Bouchelle, Sam Ellinger, Chris Warren out of the backfield. Now, I do like the fact that Connor Williams is going to be back for the offensive line. He's an All-American, arguably the best O-lineman in the country, but he's missed a significant amount of time. I'm not sure how quickly he meshes into that unit. So offensively, can Texas keep pace with West Virginia? I, it wouldn't shock me if this is a competitive I don't think... West Virginia runs ways and hide. Texas is too good defensively. I don't think they have the offense to keep up in Morgantown with a West Virginia team that's playing very well right now at this stage of the season. Yeah, they are. And they got a gutty win last week in Manhattan, Kansas, picking that victory up 28-23. to I was all over West Virginia and Will Greer. He threw for 372 yards, four touchdowns, only two interceptions. He now has 34 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions on the year. But I look at Texas overall. I think Tom Herman goes with Bouchelle. I know Ellinger's available for this ball game, but Bouchelle gives you the experience, especially on the road. He completed 22 or 32 last week, 249, one touchdown, one interception. This is still a Texas offense that's averaging 273 passing yards per game, but I really feel it comes down to the front seven of the Longhorns holding opposing offenses to 115 rushing yards per game. They're plus five in turnover margin. They do have 25 total sacks and are rock solid in third down defense rich 27% holding opposing offenses and I break down West Virginia's offense this way there are one dimensional offense from the start of the year to where we see them now in the first four games of 2017 West Virginia was averaging 231 yards on the ground per game over the last six games it's only 115 yards per game that's the difference to me and I think Texas gets a gutty road win here in Morgan down and win can be an issue in this matchup well look at what Texas did against some of the best offenses on their schedule Oklahoma right they're a locomotive nobody could stop stop Oklahoma 29 points 
Texas. In that game well. against Texas. How, How about the Oklahoma State game? That was a 13-10 to 10 game. Mason Rudolph, Justice Hill, James Washington. So, you know, that defense, led by Todd Orlando, has been virtually airtight all season. I think that's what makes it a compelling, fun matchup of strength versus strength at West Virginia offense. Now, I don't – the numbers may say one-dimensional – but I still like Justin Crawford. I, I, I don't think Dana Holgerson has used him properly, used him enough this season, and the offensive line hasn't done a good enough job of really springing him and creating daylight. I think a little more balance, Will Greer's passing plus Justin Crawford would help against this Texas defense. Now, just keeping it on defense for a second, the the evolution of the West Virginia defense, which is not going to be confused with Texas or TCU in the Big 12, <laughs> But that defense has gotten progressively better week yes. after week. Now, they faced a young quarterback last week in Manhattan. That helped in Skylar Thompson. But the kid that I continue to look for is David Long at linebacker. He's been a difference maker for West Virginia. They were good at the back end. They have very good safeties. Drayvon Askew, Henry, uh, Kaiser White. They have excellent safeties. Now they have a linebacker who plays like a guided missile. He defends the run. He'll make plays in opposing backfields. And against that Texas offensive line, look for David Long to have a big game. Again, I'm not saying they're going to pitch a shutout. But Texas will struggle to score. West Virginia will eventually break through with Will Greer. I think West Virginia wins by 10. I think this line is a little bit low. That's why I like the Mountaineers. Yeah, this is one of my favorite games of the of the day because it is a contrast in styles. And the one thing I think when you look at West Virginia's defense, from a statistical standpoint, it doesn't overwhelm you. They are allowing 191 rushing yards to opposing offenses, but they force teams to methodically work down the field. They don't give up a lot of big plays on occasion in and that's the matchup that you do want to see play out at 12 o'clock. But here's what I look at as well in terms of two factors. West Virginia does have a road game next week to Oklahoma. I know this is a critical matchup. Are they looking ahead to Baker Mayfield? The other factor is this. I still, in his young existence as a head coach, give the coaching advantage to Tom Herman. I've watched West Virginia now in back-to-back weeks. I was not sold on Dana Holgerson in terms of halftime adjustments. I mean, he jumps out to big leads. He did it against Iowa State, did it against uh, Kansas. Kansas State and doesn't make the necessary adjustments to blow teams out with Will Greer. And that's the matchup that I'm watching uh, at 12 o'clock. Hey, it's a fair point. I mean, Dana Holgerson as recently as early last year was on the hot seat. I mean, if they didn't turn things around in 2016, we could have been talking about a coaching change at that point. But again, I, I continue to go back to the Texas offense. That's my biggest concern. Look at last week's game against Kansas. Sure, Texas scored 42 points against one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country. 2.8 yards per carry. They just can't get off their blocks. They're not creating space for those running backs. I expected big things out of Chris Warren this year. He just hasn't gotten enough support. The quarterbacks have been mediocre. At the end of the day, I think in a, in a battle of sort of tempos, in a battle of philosophies, I think the ability to stretch the field of Will Greer will win out. I think West Virginia takes this game, and if they build any kind of a cushion, I don't think Texas will be able to narrow the gap with that offense they have. It's an intriguing battle because I think turnovers are critical in this ballgame. The edge goes to Texas. They're plus five in turnover margin. And the other factor is third downs. Like I mentioned, Texas holding opposing offenses to 27%. As good as West Virginia's offense is, they're only converting 35% of the time. So whoever can win that battle, I think ultimately will win this ballgame. 
if somehow, some way, West Virginia dominates today and they beat Oklahoma, yeah, I was going to go there. I well, was gonna I'm going to go here. Do we talk about Will Greer for the Heisman? I mean, if he upstages Baker Mayfield, I mean, he has 34 touchdown passes entering today. I mean, is it a possibility? Yeah, I, I I think it's a possibility. It would take an epic effort, but the possibility of getting to here in New York City in December, I think it's a possibility. Yeah, I, I think I'll have the numbers. And here's the other thing to keep in mind. If they win today, they remain in contention for a spot in the Big 12 championship game, not predicting that they'll beat Oklahoma, but that possibility will exist next week that if they can beat the Sooners, they would have a spot in the Big 12 championship game. So in terms of motivation, yes, Texas is looking for bowl eligibility. West Virginia is still in the hunt, an outside hunt to get into the Big 12 title game, which is a big deal for Dana and his crew. It is. It's a 12 o'clock kick, which is really uh, ironic. I mean, it should be an 8 o'clock kick, but we'll we'll be there front and center stage in about an hour and a half. We'll turn our attention to an SEC East battle. It's Kentucky on the road to face Georgia. Very disappointing loss. I mean, they got annihilated by the Auburn Tigers. Only 46 rushing yards by my Georgia Bulldogs. Very disappointing. On the outside, looking in for the college football play, off. This is a team in Kentucky that they've dominated Georgia's 1-7 straight, but they did pick up a three-point win in Lexington last year, 27-24. to Georgia wins, but I think Benny Snell and Steven Johnson are in this game from start to finish. Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of Georgia at this point. It's one of the fascinating uh, parts of talking about college football in November is, you know, the Notre Dames, the Washingtons, the Georgias, they suffered devastating losses in Week 11. So what do they bring to the table in, in Week 12? I, I, I don't know. I, I have enough respect for Kirby Smart. I think his kids will be ready. I think they're a much better team than we saw at Auburn last weekend. I, I don't think I don't think the first 10 weeks was an aberration. I think Georgia is legitimately one of the top five, six, seven teams in the country. They'll have an opportunity to prove it. Now, I love Ben Benny Snell, the only Kentucky running back ever to have back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons. He's just a sophomore. But I don't know if there's enough balance. I don't know if there's enough passing game proficiency from Steven Johnson to keep that Georgia defense honest. Now, Kentucky, Mark Stoops has done a good job with that defense. They have some playmakers. They have playmakers like Josh Allen, Denzel Ware. Uh, I, I think they could do some things. But at the end of the day, Georgia pulls away. I don't feel comfortable enough to lay 21 points in this game. So if I had to pick, I probably would take Kentucky, but I don't love this game. Yeah, you mentioned Benny Snell. He does have 1,015 rushing yards, 15 rushing touchdowns, and you mentioned Steven Johnson. He's completed 62% of his passes heading into this ballgame, 1,800 yards, 10 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. But the Kentucky front seven is much better this year in run support, holding opposing offenses to 129 rushing yards per game. That's the matchup going up against Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb in Athens later today. When we come back, we'll talk Georgia and Kentucky with former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver Corey Allen. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, 
or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. some SEC action, Kentucky, Georgia. You want to get the scoop on SEC football, you bring in a big-time player from the conference. He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line, former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver, Corey Allen. Corey, I'm not happy after last week's performance on the Plains. None of us are happy, Joe. I, I promise you, the Bulldogs let a lot of the Bulldogs faithful down because when we went into Auburn and uh, played those Tigers in Jordan here, we did not represent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We had a lot of lapses, especially within the box. Auburn really showed up, and right now the dogs have to lick their wounds and make sure that they don't they don't let Auburn beat them twice. This is an important matchup at home, senior night against Kentucky, and these Wildcats aren't going to take you any any lighter than the Auburn Tigers did. So. Great opportunity for the dogs. Kirby Smart needs to motivate the players because after last week's effort, they've got a lot to prove. That's a great point, Corey. I want to stick there before we break down Kentucky and Georgia. When you look at the mindset of this young team overall, especially at the quarterback position with Jake Fromm, Auburn forced him to beat them over the top. How does he bounce back as the leader of this offense against the Wildcats? I think the the best thing that this offense can do is make sure Jake Fromm is in a strong position on the early downs. Whether we run the ball or we play action early, Jake Fromm needs to understand that completing passes and getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers is going to be imperative because right now he needs to continue to progress. Everyone understands that we do have Jacob Eason on the bench, but right now the most important thing is the development of your freshman quarterback who's getting all of the snaps. And I think he understands that, and I believe that we we're going to put him in a position because Kentucky will make sure that he has pressure and the one thing he cannot do is turn the ball over against this team. Corey, uh, did did we overrate Georgia through the first 10 weeks or was this just a classic case where it was a bad game and there was no getting out of it uh, as, as things sort of went downhill against Auburn? To be honest with you, Rich, I think it was a combination of both. I think Georgia was slightly overrated because of the excitement, because of the new head coach that we have in town, because we've got such dynamic playmakers, especially on offense. It looked good on paper, but we hadn't had a chance to go up against a defense like Auburn, and it really showed last Saturday night. Auburn's a tough defense regardless of who they play. They've got playmakers all across that defensive front, especially on the line, and it showed against the Georgia offensive front that wasn't ready to avoid the penetration that Auburn gave us. So I think it was a little bit of both. Auburn was a great team and will continue to be. Georgia was slightly overrated, but if we can learn from that lesson, we'll all be better for the outcome. 
Corey, when you look at the predicament of Kirby Smart here, I mean, Georgia still has an opportunity to make the college football p- playoff. They have to take care of business today against Kentucky and then arch-rival Georgia Tech. And then if they knock off either Auburn or Alabama in the SEC championship game, Georgia, for the most part, will be there. So with the pressure of this team now and Kirby Smart, if Jake Str- uh, Fromm struggles here, does he then have the pressure to go to Jacob Eason in a big spot? To be honest with you, I don't think we're under pressure to do that simply because Jake, Jacob Eason hasn't necessarily had a chance to prove himself this season either. So a change of pace, we can't uh, we can't necessarily rely on that as Bulldog faithful. I think what the offense needs to do is stick to the script and work at what we've been good at. The offensive rushing attack will have to continue to be better. We're leaning on that right now. And for us to try to put that pressure on Jacob Eason would be extremely unfair because these next three matchups are all going to be against top-caliber defenses. So I think this is a, a, the field for Jake from to take hold of the reins and Jacob Easton really just uh, only in case of an injury should he really see the field. Corey, I want to take a look at the SEC uh, in totality. Uh, it looks like we're going to have a, a really a record number of head coaching vacancies. He's Tennessee, Florida already open, uh, Ole Miss probably open, Arkansas possibility. Talk a little bit about uh, the pressure of being a, an SEC head coach and also the opportunity that exists for whoever takes over those jobs. Well, the pressure is definitely there when you look at coaching in the SEC because every school wants to win a championship, and that's really driven by the fan base. The fan base in the Southeastern Conference is rabid all across the board. They really have a very short memory and even shorter timetable as far as success is concerned. So this is a great opportunity for any coach to come into because you do have a chance to recruit, play against, and coach the highest players or the highest caliber players. But if you aren't successful – then the fan base and the administration is going to take a second look to see if you are the appropriate fit. Uh, It's a great opportunity for coaches who are willing to take on that challenge. But to be honest with you, Rich, this is a challenge that's not really built for everyone. You can ask a guy like Brett Bielema over at Arkansas. He came into the conference really doubting the talent. And if you look at his overall record, I don't think he'd feel the same at this point. Corey, I want to get a, a player's perspective of what it means to play college football because a lot of teams that have lost over the past couple of weeks that don't find them in a position to make the college football playoff the end of the tunnel, per se, the big trophy. A lot of people have said that, you know, they're just walking through the motions for the rest of the year, not a lot to play for. Do you see that as well on the collegiate level, or what does it mean to, to go into these rivalries and, and these late season games with not a lot to play for? I think the schedule is built perfectly for the young college football player, primarily because each game is going to have importance regardless of what your record is to this point. Uh, but each game is important to all the young players. Whether you're a senior or a freshman, number one, you've got to continue to get better because you want to keep your job, especially the upperclassmen. They might be looking to take their talent to the next level. It doesn't matter the level you're on, Joe. It doesn't matter what your record is. You play for pride. You play because you you want to represent your school and your family well, your hometown. And even if your team is struggling, no one wants to go out and get the doors blown off. No one wants to go out and get embarrassed between the between those stripes. So it's a, it's a tough element when your team isn't having success, but you have to look within and, and understand why you play the game. You play the game hard for yourself, for your fans, for your family. And that really comes to the forefront every time the whistle is snapped. Because if you aren't focused, the other guy's going to hit you in the mouth. 
Hey, Corey, I obviously watched the Auburn-Georgia game. I'm assuming you watched Alabama-Mississippi State as well. Uh, how vulnerable do you think Alabama is heading into the Iron Bowl next week? And, and just how much ground do you believe Auburn has made up in that rivalry? Starting with that last question, Rich, I think Auburn is extremely confident after beating the number one team in the nation because they know what it takes to get to that point, and they already do not fear Alabama. So the beginning is Auburn is confident, and they're not going to take the matchup lightly. They've already got two losses, and those upperclassmen understand the opportunities that they have to go to the SEC championship and beat their arch rival. As far as Alabama is concerned, they are vulnerable, especially when you look at the losses they've had in the linebacking core, and it showed against Mississippi State. We all knew Nick Fitzgerald would threaten them on the perimeter with his quarterback runs and run pass options, but it really did show, especially in the early parts of the game, that if you can get the ball down the field, Alabama's going to struggle a little bit in covering tight ends and running backs. So I think they're vulnerable, but at the same time, Alabama is well coached, and it doesn't take long for those guys to step up and get to that next level, and I'm sure that's what Coach Saban is focused on right now. Corey, we look at Tennessee and and Butch Jones no longer the coach of that team. Brady Hoke does take over on an interim basis. He did coach Michigan. But Butch Jones was uh, was asked to coach out the final two games of of the volunteer season and chose not to do so. And I have a negative opinion on that. I mean, we force these kids and we teach these kids to play for 60 minutes, four quarters, and now you're a head coach and now you're not going to be there next year and choose to really quit on your team what does that really do from a coach's perspective and the message that he sends his players wherever he coaches next year it's not good it's not good in any case it wasn't good when steve spurry decided to quit on the gamecocks a few years back it's not good in this case with tennessee and bush jones because you want your guys to finish the drill you always preach to the players to go to the fourth quarter play until the whistle and never quit and to see a coach do that, it does damage your credibility. And young kids understand that when he makes his next stop, wherever it might be, it won't be as a head coach because that reputation is going to be too fresh. And again, the young guys know that if you're not dedicated, if you're not committed to the process, it's going to be difficult for you to sell me on anything that you're trying to get me to do. So it's a tough, it's a tough sled for Butch Jones, but I wish he would have stayed around for those upperclassmen because it means a lot and those players could definitely use his leadership. Corey, great insight and information. I want to put you on record. How do you see Georgia, Kentucky, and LSU, Tennessee playing out? Georgia, Kentucky, I tell you what, my dogs, again, cannot let Auburn beat them twice. They're the more talented team. I see my Bulldogs coming out with a passing attack, 27-13. to 13. I got the dogs on top of the Cats at home on senior night. And when I look to uh, Tennessee, uh, a tough matchup. LSU's coming in. They got a couple of linebackers not making the trip. But I tell you what, they are the more talented team. Ed Orgeron can motivate better than anybody. Uh, Brady Hoke stepping in is admirable, but it's not going to be enough. I've got 27-9. to nine the Tigers over the Volunteers. Great insight. Yeah. Big time player in the conference. You heard his intensity. And I'm glad we got his opinion about Butch Jones because I don't believe in that. I mean, we teach these kids in practice, fall camp, spring camp. You play to the whistle. You bowl play games. For- bowl games. Exactly. We're, we've had this debate, he, you and I, about bowl games. But you know he was what? asked to coach. Yeah. He, he could have coached out the year. And I wonder quit. what his motivation was. Why Why would you me. not want to be me. with those kids? That, it's a, it's me, a me, me factor. What, though? I mean, to get a head a start me. on his next job? Exactly. Sir, next job That's search, the way I look at it. How do you 
view it. Uh, I, it just maybe bitterness. Bitterness. He was he was getting the hook, and he didn't want to stick around any longer. And he figured, you know what? I might as well bolt at this particular time. Get out of here. It was almost like he was thumbing his nose at Tennessee for pulling the plug. But at that point, he's had a long enough period of time to turn around. It was not going to get better in Knoxville. Five years. He's looked families in the face, kids in the face. Believe in me. I'll yep. treat. I'll treat your son just like he's my own. All and the taglines, all the catchphrases he gave them, right. and then and then he walked out with two. It was a very Bobby Petrino type. Exactly. Move. And yeah. now he'll he'll probably get a job somewhere else. Maybe not on the FBS level, but another program like Bo Pelini did with Youngstown State. When we come back, we'll talk to Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci, Joe Lisi, and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio Thirty Four. The award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network is your free fantasy source 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can catch this show and many others live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn Radio. Want to listen on your computer at work? Go to FNTSY.com slash radio or check us out on YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page where you can ask questions, discuss topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your questions on the air. The number is 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 days a year fantasy sports network of its kind without a subscription. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your fantasy source. Settling in about an hour and 20 minutes for kickoff. Going to talk some early action. What better way to do that than with Game Time Decisions host, Gabe Morenci, also known as David Terrell. We're rocking the Michigan jersey. Yeah, that's right. They haven't lost since I got this jersey, Joe. I don't mean to wear the same jersey every week, but hey, they haven't lost. And rumor on the street is we're playing in a pretty big game uh, today. Uh, during uh, during one of your commercial breaks, I saw that Herb Street and Corso and the guys were talking about uh, talking about the Michigan game. So I turned the sound up, and um, you know everyone's talking like Michigan's a uh, a two win football team. Well, they'll be playing for pride today, and you know Ohio State this, Penn State that, Wisconsin this. People are forget- sleeping and forgetting about the Michigan Wolverines. But nevertheless, guys, you know this is a college football show. Uh, but I want to uh, just pay my condolences and send my uh, my thoughts to uh, the ACDC family, uh, specifically the Young family. Malcolm Young passes away. I mean, one of the most influential artists of all time. And, you know, it's fitting, actually, that I've got 13 picks today, guys. Ten of them are underdogs. And I think it's uh, fitting that one of ACDC's best songs is Give In the Dog the Bone. We're giving the dog the bone today. We've got 10 underdog picks out of the 13 games. We're fired up. And it's funny because everyone's talking about this being the coldest slate of the year. You know, it's uh, it's not, you know, the the, uh, the sexiest college football card of the year. I'm, I'm more fired up for today than I have been on any Saturday of the year for gambling purposes. A couple of weeks ago, we had those great four games. Or it was last week we had those great four games. Uh, but for betting purposes... This is the best Saturday that I've seen so far. 
And I guess we'll find out if that's true in about uh, six or seven hours when I refresh my account. Well, that's what we like that's- to hear, Rich. Uh, uh, who is this Who is this Corso in Herb Street he speaks of? And, I don't know. Dare he be looking at some other broadcast uh, Saturday mornings? That's, uh, that think- is heresy. Our show is much better. Our show commercial break. Nice recovery there. Nice recovery. No, I said at the time. Uh, all right. I, I said at the time. I got multiple screens here. I need I to stay on top of right. I'm just <laughs> trying to. I'm just trying to make sure you're a patron of this show. You dude. like That's to wear headgear. Rich likes to wear headgear. He told me, yes. and when he's out at different types of uh, yes. locations. Yep. So we might have like a, a Paul Bunyan hat. Exa- yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you mentioned Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan seems to be part of a lot of these, uh, a lot of these rivalry games and, and the awards. You know, you got the Paul, you know, you got the, uh, you've got all kinds of different Paul Bunyan related um, names. Last night, though, guys, without a doubt, and this one kind of flies under the radar. I think the coolest name out of any college football rivalry was last night with Middle Tennessee State and Western Kentucky with the hundred miles of hate. Mm. And I'm surprised in the in the uh, politically correct world that we live in right now that. Uh, um, you know the pinkos haven't started crying. You can't have you can't have kids playing a game called 100 Miles of Hate. <laughs> but a, a great stop. But no, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go, and I'm going to surprise you with some of the teams that I like this morning. Well, let's uh, break a tie for us because I like Texas. Rich likes West Virginia. How do you see this game playing out at 12 p.m.? You know what? There's so many great games at 12. I don't know why they didn't space these out uh, more. I think the prime time slate's a little light uh, tonight. Uh, but with that being stated, there's so much talk about Tom Herman and how good he is as an underdog, and he is. The guy's been absolutely muddy. But now we're only laying three points. Seems to me that West Virginia is getting a little bit disrespected in this spot, only laying three on their home field. Tom Herman keeps talking about we haven't won a game that we weren't supposed to win, so the season's not an accomplishment. This would be a game. He's counting this as a game that they're not supposed to win. But as I stated, 7-3, and three, West Virginia is still in the mix right now, uh, still playing for a trip to the conference championship game. I like the Mountaineers minus the three in this spot. Texas Texas just find ways to lose football games. This is what they do. You know, they're, they're the Cincinnati Bengals of college football. Paul Bunyan, by the way, would have made a hell of a Wisconsin left guard, don't you think, Abe? I, 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 I think if he played college football, he would have been a road grader. Um, talk a little bit about Wisconsin, Michigan. I, I love Wisconsin today. I know the whole world is against me. All of the tide is moving towards Michigan. I think Wisconsin showed us a lot last week against Iowa, but I have a strange feeling you're going to disagree with me. Yeah, I do, and I'm not. I'm not a homer. I'm not like if if I won't tell people to bet on Michigan unless I legitimately think they have a strong chance to cover. I'll tell you what, people in Las Vegas think Michigan have a, little, a strong chance to cover. The point spread open at ten. They can't write a ticket on the Badgers. They're down to an even seven uh, right now. Perfect Big Ten weather. It's hard not to give Wisconsin the advantage um, due to their ground uh, game, uh, right? And there's bad weather, windy conditions. You know, they can consistently run the football better than Michigan can. But Michigan are starting to find some holes uh, right now over the last uh, couple of weeks. The offensive line is starting to gel. Uh, Peters has provided a spark uh, right now. I'm getting seven points with Jim Harbaugh, and I think the pressure is starting to mount on Wisconsin a little bit. You know, Wisconsin, I defend Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin are worthy of their ranking, but at the same point in time, let's be real, this is the first time Wisconsin's going to be playing a tough football team. I think they're going to be in a dogfight, get all they can handle. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan win this game outright, but 
My gut instinct tells me that uh, Wisconsin survives a close one, but I like the seven points in this game. Another 12 o'clock kick is Virginia on the road against the U, Gabe. I love the U last week. They didn't disappoint. Now Virginia comes in. They're a blue-collar team. I think they lose a very close battle. I know Rich likes Virginia as well. Are you on the Canes, or do you like the Cavs at 12 p.m.? You know what? Last week, and uh, congratulations to Miami and, and Miami backers such as yourself. I didn't see it coming. I was on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Had a great uh, great week last week. That was one of the games that I did uh, get run. To be honest with you, over the last month or so, guys, I've, I've crushed it all day long, and I've had a problem in the 8 o'clock slot. The 8 o'clock Eastern time zone games, those primetime TV games haven't been good to me the last couple of weeks. But we're really feeling it, man. We've been crushing college football uh, this week. Last night, 4-0. and uh, we, we were on the UNLV Rebels. We were on the over. We were on Western Kentucky. We were on the over. Uh, we keep this rolling. I'm really fired up for this football game from a betting perspective. I love the Virginia Cavaliers. I really do. And you know what? Props to Miami. I think, you know, I don't think Miami's a good, very good sports city. And I thought last week that it was really only sold out and crazy because Notre Dame was there and it was on primetime television. I had my doubts whether the people in Miami would show up uh, today now that the game's at 12 o'clock but i understand uh, they the, the school was worried about this and they knew the perception of this so they really tried to jam it up and they were charging 20 bucks a ticket <laughs> so that 20 if you can't sell out at 20 bucks a ticket so to jam the place up at 20 bucks a ticket it's a late sellout uh this football game but without being stated i think it's still a, a little bit of a letdown for miami and the pressure starts to mount on these undefeated teams at this time of the year virginia's playing with house money man you know, they've already punched their ticket into a bowl game. Now they can make a name for themselves by you know, beating the Miami Hurricanes. And let's look at the Miami Hurricanes. One-point win against Georgia Tech. Eight-point win against Syracuse. Uh, what was it? A five-point win against the North Carolina Tar Heels. Listen, Miami have stepped up in these big games. They were a three-point underdog, and they were a uh, two-point favorite against uh, Virginia Tech. Um, and it ended up closing at two points. Miami have not covered as double-digit dogs this year. They're not really blowing teams out and smoking teams. And I think Virginia comes in here very comfortable. Like I said, they've got no stress. They've got no pressure. They've already cashed a ticket to a bowl game. Love the 19.5 points with the Virginia uh, Cavaliers. So this is a surprise here, too, guys. Last night, South Florida, or a couple of nights ago, South Florida, uh, you know, came out strong and sort of hit the wall. Why? Because they got a massive game next week against Central Florida. Central Florida's got a massive game against South Florida next week. Similar situation. I think Central Florida is going to get caught here. I, I'm not saying they lose this game, but the Temple Owls starting to turn it around. The offense starting to put points on the board. We're getting 13 points with the Temple Owls on their home field with a team from Florida, man, going into the East Coast uh, mid-November. I smell, I smell a dogfight here. I think the Owls' eyes are wide open and so are mine. Give me the Owls plus 13. Give me the Minnesota Golden Gophers plus 7. You know, this is a hungry, desperate football team right now coming off an emotional win. I think instead of uh, being flat, it keeps on going after putting up a million points last week against Nebraska. Give me the seven points. This comes down to the wire. And this is for our boys uh, in Jersey. How about the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, guys? How about them Knights? Eight and two against the spread. And like they say in Las Vegas, good teams win, great teams cover. And Rutgers have covered 80% of their games they're going to cover today. Indiana have no business being 11-point favorites against Rutgers. Give me SMU plus 12 and a half. You know, same thing. 
Uh, you know, SMU and Memphis are going to trade points. This game's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be like an arena football league game. Give me the SMU Mustangs plus 12 and a half and over 68 and a half, even though I know it's raining there. Um, one, one favorite that we're laying here earlier in the day, TCU. I think TCU is going to kick the snot out of Texas Tech today, and I'm really looking forward to watching Sean Robinson do his thing, man. This kid looks like Cam Newton. That's 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 the only favorite I like in the early games. Great stuff from Great. Gabe. We'll have you on in an hour. I can't wait to break it down. He, he's an intense guy, and that's why I love him. I, I mean, I, you know, he's, he's calling out Notre Dame last week. And they didn't step up. But we're all on Virginia now, yeah. and I like yeah. that. I like we, we didn't get NC State a couple of weeks ago. We're going to get Virginia today. The one thing that I think it was pretty interesting is he brought up Temple in, in terms of quarterback play. Frank Newtile, yeah. who does come from Don Bosco Prep, yeah. has been playing very well, He's and Jeff really, Collins yeah. has that team playing they, very they well. They needed some stability on offense, and Newtile has provided that. He's a real gym rat. He's a mm-hmm. real film rat. The kid likes to study. He's got his opportunity now. I, I think weather could be a factor. I mean, these are kids from Orlando. Now it's a chilly day in Philadelphia. They got to go to the link. That could be a close game. I, I agree with Gabe. That could be a competitive and game. And Temple is 5-5, five and five, so yeah. another another win. They yeah. become bowl eligible. Yeah. You're going to get the Owls' best effort. We'll see how that game plays out. I believe it's a 3-30 kick. When we come back, we'll be talking rapid-fire picks. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. You can feel the intensity about an hour and five minutes from kick. Rapid fire selections. Let's get into it. Utah on the road in Seattle to face Washington. Washington picked up this victory 31-24 to last year. I think Utah's in this game from start to finish. Washington really? wins, but the Utes do cover this number. Yeah, I don't like the Utah offense, Joe. Darren Carrington is not healthy. Uh, they've been sputtering. Uh, better days ahead with Tyler Huntley against that Washington defense, provided they're motivated. I don't know what their mindset is. Uh, they're probably not going to win the Pac-12 North, provided Stanford beats Cal later on today. I like Washington in a route, actually. I'm just not sold on the Utah wow. offense. Yeah. All right, we'll see how that game plays out. I think it's a, te- a 10 o'clock kick in uh, Washington, Seattle. Check it out. might be an 8 o'clock as well. Nebraska on the road in Happy Valley to face Penn State and James Franklin. There's no way... Nebraska wins this game, but I think they cover it in terms of the number. It's not one of my better selections, but I think you'll see a bounce back. Tanner Lee is still questionable. I think he cleared concussion protocol, so check it out. Yeah, he did. I mean, it would help to have Tanner Lee, although this kid is a pick machine. I could see a couple going the other way. I mentioned it earlier today. Nebraska's rush defense is an abomination. Now you have Saquon Barkley looking to get back on track. Trace McSorley behind center. I I could see this being... 
a 56-14 to 14 type wow. game. And Mike Riley is a dead man walking. He will not be in Lincoln last year, uh, next year. Should have never been hired in the first place. I, I think Penn State in a route today. Yeah, we'll see. I hope it's a competitive game for at least. I mean, don't get blown out, Nebraska. Yeah. Show some heart. They're giving up 202 rushing yards on the ground to opposing offenses. Could be a big day for Saquon Barkley at 330. Turn our attention to an SEC battle. It's LSU on the road in Neyland Stadium to face Brady Hoke taking over the duties. He's wearing the headset. It doesn't matter. Tennessee's allowing 256 rushing yards per game. Darius Geis, Darrell Williams, that offensive line of LSU that seems to be getting better as the season progresses. It's not a best selection, but yeah. I do feel that LSU picks up a 21-point yeah, win. One, it's one of my best bets of the day, just because I don't have faith in Brady Hoke or that Tennessee team, which looked like it completely quit against Missouri. They have problems at quarterback. I think it's a good opportunity for Danny Etling to get on track and Darius Geist to have a big day. I know no Arden Key, but that's okay. LSU is still loaded. Greedy Williams out of the secondary, I think, will be a pickpocket against that Tennessee uh, against those Tennessee quarterbacks. I just don't see the Volunteers being competitive. Uh, the season is over in Knoxville. Let's uh, let's kind of get the coaching search going. <laughs> we'll see. Texas A&M on the road in Oxford to face Ole Miss. I'm not sold on Kevin Sumlin in a big spot. Ole Miss wins a very close game, but could be mo- the most in- entertaining yeah, and intriguing game of the day. High scoring, Ole Miss covers by seven. Purely in terms of football entertainment, Joe, I know there's not a tremendous amount of meaning to this game in the SEC West. I think it's going to be a fun game. Jordan Tiamu, the quarterback from Ole Miss. Nick Starkle, quarterback from Texas A&M. That battle, it might not be Sam Darnold versus Josh Rosen, but I think it's going to be an entertaining matchup. I'll take Texas A&M on the road in this game. Huge rivalry game. It's Cal at Stanford. Stanford has Notre Dame on deck. Cal is 5-5, five and five, fighting to become bowl eligible. I love what Justin Wilcox has done. I think Cal gets the outright win here. I'm taking the points. I'm taking them on the money line. I like I like the Bears. Yeah, you're nuts on this one. I mean, there's no way. Stanford is playing for the Pac-12 North rival. It's the big game. Bryce Love going for a possible Heisman Trophy. I I, I think Stanford by... 20 in this really? game. Yeah, oh. Cal has really tailed off uh, in the second half of the season. We'll see UAB on the road in the swamp. Florida's looked terrible. Yeah. They lost 28 to 20 last week against South Carolina. UAB is seven and three. Bowl eligible. Back. Stunning. Yeah. They get the outright win. You know what? They're they're going to be so jacked up to be played. Bill Clark, their coach, could be a coach of the year candidate. Florida's going to sleepwalk through. I'll take the points. I'll take the UAB in the points. They're getting 10 and a half. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the top 25 games. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella are live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.